We're not gathered at the river yet, but we are gathered together. And thank God for gathering us together, for granting to us a meeting place and a beautiful opportunity to fellowship one with another. Welcome to visitors and members alike. We're thankful you're here today. Let's go together to God in prayer. Oh, great, magnificent, awesome God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Father, we thank you for this blessed occasion to worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for knowing us the way that you do, for helping us to realize the importance of worship, not just in worshiping you, but, Lord God, that we need each other, and we need to be amongst each other. And we're thankful, Lord God, that you've provided that for us. This morning as we worship, we ask that you will bless our minds, that we will be able to rid our minds of worldly thought and focus only on you, on your word, your will, and your way, and to never forget Jesus, your great son who died so willingly on that cruel cross of Calvary. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. This morning, just, just to think about the true reality that God wants to bless us. That's what God wants. God just has this desire, being so rich in love, and mercy, and kindness. He just wants to bless his children. If, if you're struggling in life, he wants to bless you. Jesus says, I can fix it. He just wants to bless us and keep us and strengthen us. Jesus asked, we're going to Mark chapter 10 this morning, the question that he can answer, and when he answers it, he answers the question with authority. And that question has been throughout the scriptures and maybe throughout our lives, he might ask the question, what do you want from me? But if you will, looking at blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That was the plea. I'm turning over to Isaiah uh, chapter 61. I'm going to be in and out on the screen this morning. The plea was for mercy. Son of, of David, son of God, have mercy on me. The crowd was full of all the people. And you can imagine the noise and the background noise. And, but Jesus could hear his voice when he cried out and said, Jesus, help me. And Jesus just wants to bless us. In fact, the mission of Jesus in Isaiah 61, beginning at verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance, vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I just want to bless you. And then over in Isaiah 57, he speaks of the people who are contrite in spirit. And the Bible says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. I, I just want, I just want to bless you. So, so we go back to the, the scene of Mark chapter 10, and, and I was struggling trying to stay in Mark uh, uh, 10, and, and anyway, in the lesson, the idea, there's just so much in the text. It's just so rich. So he comes and he's, he's pleading for mercy, and he's asking God to help him. And here, here's, here's the mind of man. The mind of man in verse 48. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So just imagine for a moment that this blind man who, who has a need is crying out for help, and instead of people trying to help him, they're trying to silence him. They're, they're hushing him, and they're saying, be quiet, and they're stern about it. What gave them that authority? What gave them that right? What gives us sometimes the right to, to look down on the unfortunate, those who are lesser, if you will, in a position of status in life? And they sternly hushed him. And they silenced this man who was suffering. But Jesus, in verse 49, and, and, and Jesus stopped and said, call him here. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not like us? Jesus said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, arise, he is calling for you. I, I see this as, as a, a verse of hypocrisy. It's a verse of strong hypocrisy. They're, they're, they're silencing him. They're hushing him. And they're saying, stop. Jesus doesn't want to talk. Stop. And then Jesus has time for him. Jesus stopped for that blind man. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, he loves you. Come on. Come talk to Jesus. That's the hypocrisy of humanity. In Isaiah chapter 55, I'm just so thankful to know the scripture tells us that God is not like us. And the Bible says in verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I think the message is, it's found in John chapter 2, that we ought to live our lives the way Jesus lived his life. You see, one thing that Jesus did in John chapter 2, 
was he, he said to us through inspiration or by inspiration, he never put his trust in mankind. You might think that's a cruel statement, but it's true. You want to find a life of peace and happiness and soulless? Keep your trust in God. In John 2, verse 23, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding his signs which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man for himself, he knew what was in man. Jesus knows what's in us. Psalm 37. And that blind man, see, he had no benefit. He was a blind beggar who had no benefit for humanity, at least in the minds of those folks who were standing there that day. And so they were silencing this man. And they were saying, you know, we can talk to Jesus. And, and maybe they might have even thought, Jesus needs me, but Jesus doesn't need you because you're just a blind beggar. And in Psalm 37, in beginning at verse 3, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. I'm thinking this morning, God just wants to bless us. God just, God just wants to, to give us everything that's good for us. God wants to give us the spiritual mindset and understanding that in living for Jesus, it is the best life that you could ever live. And in that life, there are amazing blessings and amazing gifts. Thank you, God. God just wants to bless us. And you know what happens? We, we, we live life and, and we, we try to take care of ourselves. And it's only when we find out that we're not in control that we surrender to God. And once we surrender to God, we realize the true blessings of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And so, and so we know that's the middle of the Bible, right? The very middle verse of the entire Bible, both old and new, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in Man, you've got to keep your focus. We have to keep our focus in God. So here's the difference. Matthew chapter 20. Here's the difference. God was not and is not. But God was not concerned about what others could do for him. God was and is concerned about what he can do for you. Because God wants to bless us. And, and we, don't, we don't allow him. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at the Old Testament a bit. You know, see how Israel, they wouldn't let God bless them. I mean, God can bless me today, but you know, I, don't want to, I don't want God to bless me like this. I want God to bless me like that. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, But Jesus called to them, or them to himself, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. Not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first 
among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Wait, so Jesus wants us to serve each other? What do you think about that, church? Jesus wants us to serve each other. What a joy, what a blessing, what a blessed honor to be able to serve one another for Jesus. And later you find, by the way, turn back to Mark, please, uh, chapter chapter, uh, 10. Later you find the great joy in service. There's a great joy in serving God's people, in serving the world. There's a great joy in doing the will of God. Of God. It's that thing inside of us that says, I'm being like Jesus when I serve. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Or is that just a negative word in your mind? Jesus wants to bless the world. Jesus wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. So going back to this text, Brian Bartimaeus. In verse 49, I want you to notice his posture. Notice where we find him. In verse 49, the Bible says, And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he is calling for you. Notice that the man's in a humble, prostrated position, if you will. They tell him to rise up. Rise up and and go before the master. That the world might not have your best interest at heart. But God always does. They tell him to rise up. He's calling for you. And in verse 50, and casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Some might say, why is this man asking for Jesus to do the impossible? Right? Look at John 9. In John 9, when, when, when Jesus interacts with this blind man in John chapter 9, that there's a statement that's made that they always thought of in their minds and in their hearts because it was true. And that is this. In John 9, in verse 31, we know that God is not here sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. The blind man said, Jesus, since you're asking the question, I want you to do for me the seemingly impossible. I want you to open my eyes so that I might see. I want to come back to that in just a moment. Over in Hebrews chapter 13, I want to, I want to grab a, a connective thought. He also makes a promise to us that for those who... Uh, who just doesn't have that kind of faith in God. To know that only Jesus can make this kind of promise. It's almost, it's almost 
something that we might say, well, that's impossible. But not with God. Listen to what he said in verse 5. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you or leave you, and I will never forsake you, so that you may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? I will never, and there's that compound of five negatives in there, I will never, no, not ever. Only God can make that kind of promise to us. And he makes that kind of promise to remind us that you can live your life free from the love of money because God's got you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? For the love of money is what? The root of all evil. So Jesus in essence is saying, stay away from the love of, of things, if you will, materialism, from money, because that's going to hamper or hinder your soul. And Jesus says, you don't have to love what I already have in control. The seemingly impossible. Luke chapter 1. I, I love the, the, the conversation that God, the Holy Spirit, has with Mary. And in Luke chapter 1, regarding uh, Jesus Christ and his birth, beginning at verse 30, the seemingly impossible things belong to God. And the angel, the Bible says, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's seemingly impossible <laughs> without his grace, without his mercy. To think that a human being full of sin has found favor with the sight of God. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. In verse 31, he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Offspring shall be called the Son of God. But how? Because of the power of God. And why why would God do this for us? Why would Jesus die so, so cruelly on a cross of Calvary? Because he wants to bless you. Because he wants to bless us. That's, that's how he did it. That's why he did it. Because the love that he has for us. Will we allow him to bless us? Verse 36 says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So go back to the blind man in Mark chapter 10. The blind beggar, the Bible defines him, describes him to us. The one whom they were trying to silence becomes the center of this, of this account. 
And Jesus shows how he wants to just, how he wants to bless you. And in verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. What a gift. For the first time ever. You ever seen the, the account? Um, there's a storyline, if you will, um, of optometrists who are able to do uh, perform surgeries and, and, um, and children who maybe you know, couldn't see, see for the first time. Or they wear glasses, they put a pair of glasses on, and they see for the first time. And, and the expression on their faces when they look and they can see for the first time, or they can see clearly for the first time. And what an amazing experience in this text. But this text doesn't say to us, and then the people said, Jesus, you're wonderful, you're great, oh God, I love you. You're so, you're so beautiful, we just... We owe you everything. It just doesn't say that, does it? It just kind of ends with God blessing the man and then everything goes back to the way it used to be. It's kind of like us sometimes. We receive these great blessings from God and then instead of allowing those blessings to put us in a place closer to God for the rest of our lives, we kind of forget, don't we? And we go back to living the same kind of lifestyle that we lived before. Matthew chapter 20. It doesn't doesn't say, and, and they all live happily ever after because soon after they execute the Lord who opened the eyes of a blind man. And it doesn't say, and then all the people decided that because of the greatness of God and the blessings that he brings to the world, that the whole world converted. No, it, it doesn't say that. It says out of all the people there on the day of Pentecost, only 3,000 responded. And it doesn't say, because of the greatness of God and him wanting to bless the world and blessing the world, both the good and the evil, that all people rise up and say, no longer be evil. Let's serve the Lord. Let's give Him all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul. It doesn't end that way. And you know what else it doesn't say, church? And it doesn't end like this. And church, because of all the things God has done for you, give Him your time. It doesn't say that. And the whole church rose up and said, God However long we have to be here at worship, we're your people. We'll stay. It doesn't end that way. But thankfully, God was not concerned about what we could do for him. God was concerned about what he could do for us. And in Matthew chapter 20, beginning of verse 29, another blind man, or two in fact. And as they were going out from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the multitude certainly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, 
son of David. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be open. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. And immediately they regained their sight and followed him. I'm thankful that in the three accounts, uh, three individuals in these, this account, that they at least followed him. This morning I, I ask you the question, when you take an inventory of your life and you think of all the blessings that God has given to you, do you say, Lord, now I'm going to follow you. Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you all of my mind and all of my heart and all of my soul. I'm, I'm going to follow you. Is my faith strengthened? Can I, can I stand there and, and say, God, what? I owe you everything. Well, this morning, if I could, in closing out, two more scriptures. In Isaiah. If, if I could this morning, steer your minds in a direction by way of reminder. This is not something you don't already know. But I want you to think about where we were where we were in relationship or in our relationship to God and then where we are because of God. I want to begin in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 1. Listen, O heavens and hear, O earth. For the Lord speaks, Sons, I have reared and brought you up. But they revolted against me an ox knows its owner, and a donkey its manger, or master manger, excuse me. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of overdo- uh, evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Where will you be stricken again? As you continue in your rebellion, the whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds. Not pressed out, or bandaged, not softened with oil. I know he's talking to Israel, but isn't that a picture of us? Oh, we desperately, desperately need our God. And God says, in essence, though that's who we are, I'm going to bless you. And in verse 18, the dialogue continues. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sin." are as scarlet. They'll be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they'll be like wool. If you consent and obey, if you will eat the, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord is spoken. 
if you consent and obey. So the question this morning is this. I know where I was. Outside of Christ. Lost. With no hope. But God sent his son to die for even me. To grant me an opportunity to be in a relationship with him. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to consent and obey God. To hear his word, to believe that Jesus is Lord, Son of the living God. To repent, have godly sorrow in your heart. To turn your life, your mindset. To confess his name before men. Be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And you might walk with Jesus until the day you leave this earth. To the Christian, will you consent and obey? If you have sin in your life, will you repent? Will you confess? Will you turn your life to Jesus? Will you say, God, thank you for blessing me. God just wants to bless us this morning. Will we allow him to do so? The lesson is yours. And I pray, God, if we can help in any way, that you'll make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portal he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me.